In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. The Dad DeLorean Podcast. Make sure your kids wear a winter jacket so you don't have to bring them in cold. Hello and welcome back to the Dad DeLorean Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and this is episode six. This is actually episode six, take two, because we recorded this just a few minutes ago, and it did not actually record anything. Hopefully this will be a more efficient and uh, cleaner version than the last time. So, we'll see. Any case, uh, this is just me kind of trying to bring you behind the curtain to let you know that, yes, I'm a human being making this, and uh, yeah, sometimes things go wrong. Any case, this week I want to talk about favorite Christmas present. You know, it is one of those things where we're at that time of year, Christmas is this week, and so we are getting ready for that, and I was just thinking back on it for myself as a child, and kind of the Christmas presents that I remember the most. And there are two specifically that come to mind for two completely different reasons. The first one that comes to mind, and this is actually second on my list of favorites, so we'll put it that way, it was laser tag. There was a time, for those of you who grew up like I did in the 90s, and going to play laser tag was like the greatest thing. This is, you know, obviously pre-2020. I don't know how you would run a laser tag arena now with all of the cleaning requirements to make sure that you don't get germs spread around. Not that we ever cared about that in the 90s, but we hear about it now. And so that's obviously the thing going on right now. But regardless, like you'd go to a friend's birthday party at a laser tag arena and it was like the greatest thing ever. You're under black lights and you got to find out which of your friends really, really spent too much time cleaning their teeth. You know, I'm thinking the episode of Ross in Friends with the black light after he'd gotten his teeth whitened and it's like horrifyingly glowing. Yeah, that kind of thing. Any case. But, so that was like the thing that you would go to your friend's birthday parties for. But that gets to be spendy after a while. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember it was usually at least 20 bucks for me to go to a friend's birthday party if they were doing it at a laser tag arena. It might have been more than that, regardless. It was a bit, it was a pretty penny. So when they came out with laser tag kits that you could actually play at home and all of my friends wound up getting them, I thought that was the greatest thing ever and couldn't wait to get mine. And I made sure my parents knew over and over, I really want this laser tag thing. I really want this laser tag thing. Well, the problem with me specifically is I was an expert as a child of finding my presence. And that particular box, I can tell you there was no way that my parents would have been able to hide it and I wouldn't have found it. I knew the exact dimensions of that box, and I knew what to look for under the tree and all of that. And so when I looked under the tree, I did not see that box. And I opened presents thinking, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe, no, no, maybe I was wrong. Maybe there's another package for it. No, no. 
get to the last box under the tree, and it is definitely, like, it is a shoebox shape. And I know that it's a shoebox shape because it is not the laser tag shape. Well, it turned out that my mom knew that I knew that there was a specific box size I was looking for, and she had actually taken it out of the box and put it into a shoebox so that I would not know what was coming. So, yeah, that was one of those moments of me remembering it, but I had a lot of fun with that. Actually, my friends and I, we all took ours apart and, like, tricked them out paint-wise, so we all had custom paint jobs on them. It was a great, great thing back in the day. So, uh, yeah. So that was the one that came to mind, and that is number two on my list. Number one on my list would have to be the Sega Game Gear. And back in the day, Sega was actually a fairly good game system maker. For those of you who haven't been alive long enough, Sega did actually used to make consoles. They didn't used to just make Sonic the Hedgehog games for other consoles. So back in those days, though, it was all about the Sega versus Nintendo and who was the better system and all of that. And I very distinctly remember wanting a Sega Game Gear. One of my buddies had Sega Game Gear, and the rest of my friends all had the Nintendo Game Boy when it came to mobile devices. I always thought the Game Gear was cooler because it had a color screen. And when you think about it, Nintendo's color-screened Game Boy did not come out until 19... I think it was 98? So it was ahead of its time in that regards. Now, did it have its flaws? Yes. That thing was a battery hog. I remember how many AA batteries I had to go through to keep that thing alive. I mean, it took six batteries to run that thing, and that was for a limited amount of time. And my parents eventually invested in the battery pack for it, which was helpful, but you still had to plug it in and charge it almost on a constant basis. So, But that was, I think, my favorite Christmas gift over the years, and it made just a huge impact on me because it was my first game system. When you look at game systems... Like, I had a Super Nintendo at one point only because one of my mom's friends gave it to us. And then every other game system that I have ever purchased, I have purchased used. I owned a PlayStation 1, a PlayStation 2, a Nintendo 64. I owned a Xbox 360, an Xbox One. All of those have been purchased used. The only system in all of my life that I have not purchased used was the Nintendo Wii, because that one was one that I was like, I really, really want this. And so I saved up my money, and I got it, and waited at 4 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to pick it up. And, yeah, and that was not, like, Christmas waiting. That was, like, in February. So it was still when it was a hot-ticket item, even after Christmas. All that said, like, though you never know what your kids are going to remember when they get older and when they're thinking back on their presents. Like, I could probably name other presents that I had over the years, but the ones that really stuck out to me were the laser tag as well as the Game Gear. And the Game Gear, I think, was all-time favorite because I remember the games on that. I played the Sonic games. I actually wound up spending a lot of time playing a X-Men game, and I very distinctly remember it was super hard when you got to the last level and you had to go up against Magneto. I think once I almost chucked the Game Gear because I was so close to beating him and he beat me and I was ticked. So, yeah. So that is my memory. And, you know, I'm, right now at the phase that we're in, Alton is definitely going to remember whatever we get him. And the stuff that he remembers is always funny because, like, we're getting his brother this year, uh, Little People Farm, and he's like, why didn't you get me one of those? I wanted one of those. And we're like, seriously, kid, you were happy with anything. 
Austin probably will be happy with the box that it comes in. Like he, I legitimately don't think cares for toys himself. He doesn't play with his brother's toys. He doesn't play with his own toys. You know what he plays with? He pulls all of the DVDs off of the shelf and chucks them on the ground. Or he finds a puzzle and dumps it all over the ground. Like, And we're not talking like the small puzzles. We're talking like the 100 plus piece puzzles. And Yeah, yeah. so his, his toy is mischief. We'll just put it that way. He is an absolutely amazing little terror at times. But we still love him. So... All right, well, with that, we're going to go ahead to go to our first break, and then we're going to go back to what we watched this week. And I'm, this week, I'm doing it a little bit different because I'm actually going to combine that with listener feedback because I had a lot of listener feedback on something that we watched. So, uh, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, you are more than welcome to do so. Right now, the most popular way to reach out to me seems to be on Instagram at the Dad DeLorean Podcast. You can also hit us up on email at the Dad DeLorean Podcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us via our website, thedaddelorean.net, and there's a contact us area there where you can send a form email through, or you can also use a voice recording feature there where you can actually record a voice message and send it in. If you do that, I will be happy to have you on the air to share your question or comment or whatever it is that you're bringing on. And yeah, so we're going to head to our first break. We'll be right back. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking around for the Bad DeLorean podcast. So uh, this week, in terms of things that we watched, there's a few things that we watched. First foremost, we had the Clone Wars, the D-Squad episodes. And for those of you who aren't familiar, there is a series of episodes that's very R2-centric, where he and a group of other astromechs are tasked with infiltrating a Separatist ship to steal a decoder chip so that they can hack into the... Um, they can hack into the communications of the Separatists. And it's a fun little episode. One of the droids actually serves as the command center for their little tiny alien friend who is in command of the mission. And he develops a affinity for these droids after initially just saying, you're stupid droids, you don't know how to think. And now he's realized by the end of this arc that, oh no, the droids are actually pretty good at improvisation and I'd be glad to serve with them again. But... It's very much R2-centric. They wind up on a... Or getting the thing out of the ship, wind up on a desert planet. They go for a while 
They get to this town, and when they f arrive in the town, there's separatists there, but then also there is a Republic cruiser in orbit. And they need to get onto that Republic cruiser, but they have to get past the droids in order to do that. It winds up being that this town has a clone named Gregor, who is there, and he has amnesia. He doesn't remember that he's a clone trooper or any of his history with it. He does finally remember that he'd had a traumatic battlefield experience, and that was the last thing he remembered. He actually was a clone commando. He finds his armor. They wind up going. He gets the droids safely to the shuttle so that they can get off planet onto this ship. And he gets out. I don't remember how he gets out, but you see him. I believe he actually shows up in Rebels when it's Rex, Gregor, and Wolf are on the uh, ship that... Ahsoka sends the crew of the Ghost to to find Rex at. So, that said, they get onto this Republic cruiser, only they find out that the Republic cruiser is not actually manned by the Republic. They find out that the Separatists have captured this one and are going to use it as a bomb to blow up a defense conference of the Republic where a bunch of other ships are. And so then the D-Squad's mission becomes to make sure that that doesn't happen. And it, it it was a good little episode arc. Really enjoyed it. It got a lot of fun with R2 and his friends, who each of them had a specialized skill for this particular mission. And it was it was a lot of good a lot of good fun. The next thing that we got to watch this week, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. The last of the Skywalker saga is finally under our four-year-old's belt. And I have to tell you guys, it is amazing to me. The things that you think are going to impact your kid more than they wind up actually impacting your kid. So, Austin... Not Austin. It's always interesting to me the things that you remember from your childhood and the things that your kids remember, at least, when you've been watching something with them. So... I remember thinking back to the first time that I saw Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade and the guy drinking from the cup of life, only it wasn't the cup of life, and he winds up becoming a decrepit skeleton and disappearing. And that was jarring for me. I think I was maybe five years old when my dad was watching that on VHS and I saw it. And uh, I did not attempt to watch Indiana Jones again for at least 20 years. I was in my late 20s when I finally actually saw the entire Indiana Jones trilogy. And I now appreciate them as films. But as a kid, that thing terrified me. And I didn't ever want to see that movie again. And so watching Rise of Skywalker, the thing that I thought was interesting was... Palpatine is freaky. Let's be honest. He's like a decrepit old man attached to like this weird thing and barely alive and the weird eyes and all of that. And like uh, my wife offers to hide his eyes. Like, it's okay. I can tell you what's going on. He's like, no, it's okay. It's not scary. Really? Yeah, he's dead. It's a lot braver of a four-year-old than I was as a five-year-old. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so... He was not at all freaked out by Palpatine, which I thought was interesting. But the thing that I think that going on Rise of Skywalker is I feel like they were trying to do a course correct after all of the blowback that they got on The Last Jedi. And The Last Jedi, honestly, for all of the hatred that it took from people, like it was really a very interesting direction. And it was really one of the only original narratives that got told during the... Um, post-Return of the Jedi movies. So that was 
interesting to me because it felt like they were basically trying to undo all of that and basically do a retread of Dark Horse Comics' Dark Empire series. A lot of the story elements that you get from the last trilogy of the Skywalker saga really feels like it was actually taken from it. There's a spot where Luke does a force projection of himself where he's there, but he's not really there. There is the Emperor who is moving between clone bodies. There is him saying that he's going to possess the son of Leia. All of that. Like, it's all there. So it's all very fascinating. Like, it's a bit of a different framing on it, but it definitely was one of those things where you feel like they borrowed from it. And it, honestly, if I'm Dark Horse Comics, I'm a little bit ticked off because they're copying my homework and they're not giving me any credit for it. So that's neither here nor there. Regardless, you know, it was good to get to go through the whole Skywalker saga with Alton. He does ask a lot of questions during the movie, which my wife says that I do a lot too. I don't feel like I ask as many questions so much as I make general comments that aren't well received because I accidentally wind up doing it over important dialogue. That's neither here nor there. Regardless, last but not least, Mandalorian season two finale. And the reason that I'm bringing in the listener comments here is because I really want to be able to kind of address some of the stuff that I heard back from everybody. Cause this was something, I think this is probably the most conversation that I've had with listeners for a single episode coming into it. And so that is one of the things my friend, John over at AZ DIY guy, he said, it's fascinating to hear my relationship with star Wars. He said, I'm guessing you're, I'm at least 15 years older than you. Star Wars was my childhood. I was seven years old in 1977, and it was freaking magic, and I have so many memories of that time. Just talking about how it must be different from generation to generation, with my father coming home from date night with my mom after seeing it. He must have been in his early 30s. They'd had Star Trek, all the old black and white stuff, like Flash Gordon with the horrid effects, and Star Wars changed it all. My friend Garrett from Oflin Decor, which I mispronounced that last week, and he was very gracious in forgiving me for that, and yeah, it's it's Flynn. Because his last name is Flynn, and it's just a unique pronunciation. Not pronunciation. It's a unique spelling of it from, I think it was Old Gaelic, I believe is what he said. So, in any case, he had a lot of thoughts on it. He really enjoyed the episode because with Luke coming back, you got to see his advanced saber techniques, which really he didn't get the chance to use any advanced saber techniques during the original trilogy. And so that was fun and also for him it was a similar experience with John where it was a lot of what he remembered seeing when he was younger and going to go see the movie in theaters all of that then you have my friend Donovan and Donovan I will provide you this disclaimer because I know Donovan feels like people think that he hates Star Wars and I can tell you I have had enough conversations with Donovan that Donovan does not hate Star Wars it is something where he's very interested in telling a good story. And I mean, if you follow his account at once upon a workbench, you know that he is very much on crafting a good story and all of that. And so he's very interested in storylines and different things like that and being able to tell something unique. And his one phrase that I think kind of sums it up for his thoughts on it is the original trilogy is the black hole that the other projects can't escape. And he gave me kind of the idea of Star Wars being that person that peaked in high school and you keep going back to hang out with them. And every time you do, it goes back to you. Do you remember that time we did that thing? That was awesome. Do you remember that one dance? That was awesome. Do you remember when we went to that place? That was awesome. And you just go back and you're like, there's so much more you could be here. Why do you keep 
reflecting on that, going back and watching the football tapes from high school kind of thing. So with all of that in mind, the, the opinions go all over the board on this one. And I think it may be going back to what John was saying, almost a generational thing. And I don't know if it's specifically generational or not, but honestly, it was a thing for me where I grew up on Star Wars. I did not see the original movies in theaters. I was not born until the year that Return of the Jedi came out. And so I wouldn't have seen it in theaters. If I had seen it in theaters, I wouldn't have remembered any of it. I understand why Lucasfilm went the route of bringing in Luke, because the narrative for Luke has always been that he was going to rebuild the Jedi Order. Don't think about that too hard if you think about what Kylo Ren does to the Jedi Order, but regardless, like, there's the whole narrative there that they keep coming back to. And I was not thrilled with the choice of Luke in there. Now, let me be honest with you. The rest of the episode, I was pretty good with it up until towards the end there because I felt like they left a lot of questions open. What's going to happen with Bo-Katan and Mando? And from what I understand now with the Book of Boba Fett coming out next year, that is not season three of The Mandalorian. John Favreau came out on Good Morning America and specifically said Mandalorian season three will be happening. The production is going to start after they finish up with... Bob, the book of Boba Fett. So it sounds like Pedro Pascal is getting a one year off to kind of catch his breath sort of thing. And then they'll be coming back to that character. So book of Boba Fett is something completely separate, but still tied into it. So what's going to happen with that? We're going to have to wait a while to find out. Moff Gideon, like the thing with him, I want to know what happens with him after this, because he spent the entire season being the smartest guy in the room and like, yep, yep. You know, the way that he reacts when Mando's like taking him in alive. Oh, this'll be interesting. Like, yeah, you just realize as you're doing that, that he knew what was going to happen. And then he reaches that point when the Jedi is coming and he's like, oh no, I'm not the smartest person in the room. And he tries to take his own life and misses because thank goodness for Cara Dune clocking him in the head. So I'm sure we'll get to hear more about him later. But I wanted to know what happened there. I wanted to know more about the child's history, about what happened before he went into hiding. Like, And I feel like there was an option on the table that nobody really talked about that could have been the one, and that was Mace Windu. Let's be honest, guys. A fall never killed anybody in Star Wars. Darth Maul got cut in half and dropped down a shaft. And if he can survive that, I'm pretty sure that Samuel L. Jackson could have survived a fall with only one arm, gotten back to the temple, gotten baby Yoda before Anakin got there. Maybe he's getting him out the door just as the rest of the clone troopers are coming up to take the place. I don't know. But I really think that there was a missed opportunity, one, to have Samuel L. Jackson come in talking about all of these mud-skiffing dark troopers on his mud-skiffing light cruiser as he's carving his way through them. Then... To have him be there and Boba Fett realize the man that killed his father, who had been presumed dead for years, is actually still alive. All of this time later, is Boba Fett still harboring that grudge? Let's find out. Like, there were so many reasons why I think that could have been a fantastic choice. And it's not like Samuel L. Jackson is incapable of working with Disney. We already know that he's going to be involved with a Secret Wars project for Disney+. Plus. I don't know what that looks like. I'm just excited to see more of Samuel L. Jackson and the scrolls because Ben Mendelsohn was a fantastic scroll. So 
regardless. So I feel like there were other narrative options that you could have picked. You could have picked Cal Kestis from the video games, tied in another narrative line to the Star Wars saga. The, let's be honest. There were other Jedi out there that survived Order 66. Just because Luke didn't know of Jedi except for his father and Obi-Wan, like, doesn't mean that there weren't more out there. And I think that's one of those things that gets lost in all this, is it's a big galaxy. There are plenty of places to hide. I don't see the Empire as having been able to successfully purge every single Force user that was out there. But they didn't go the route that I was hoping they'd go. So... It's either there, neither here nor there. My thing with it was really just, I feel like there are other corners of the galaxy away from the Skywalkers that we could potentially explore, and Disney seems to be afraid to do that, which I think is why they keep tying it back. Which, honestly, the success of Season 1 should have told them that this is something that works. There was not a single really significant callback in that entire season to the original trilogy or even to any of the other various media properties. It was just, here's this guy and we're telling a compelling story. And I think where Star Wars is at its most success under Disney has been when they've allowed the filmmakers to tell a story without having it be completely beholden to the Skywalkers. And I mean, Rogue One, the majority of that movie had nothing to do with the Skywalkers. You got Darth Vader towards the end of it and you got Princess Leia at the very, very end. That was it. There wasn't a whole lot of narrative threads tying it back to the original trilogy. Mandalorian Season 1, same deal. There wasn't a whole lot there. Then Season 2, as Donovan points out, it was one callback after another. And don't get me wrong. Me personally, I am not opposed to the idea of some of the callbacks. I think there are possible narratives to tell there. I think the Ahsoka series is one that I'm super excited for because we're getting Grand Admiral Thrawn potentially finding out what happened to Ezra Bridger. There's so many things that they have out there to explore, but it doesn't always have to tie back to Luke Skywalker. And I think that's one of those things that gets lost. Now, again, this could be a generational thing, because again, I didn't see the originals in theaters. I saw the special editions in theaters. I saw the prequels in theaters. I saw the other three movies in theaters. At this point, I don't think they're ever releasing anything in theaters again. So I think that's all that I'm ever going to see in theaters. But regardless... I think part of it is generational because I feel like the people who did see the original trilogy in the theaters when it first came out and who have that back history, I feel like may be more drawn to having Luke be there. And I get it from a standpoint from him rebuilding the Jedi Order. It was just, to me, it felt like the easy approach. And I feel like, again, they could have expanded the universe more. Part of the reason that I played Star Wars galaxies for as long as I did was because I really enjoyed getting to explore narratives outside of what was the films and getting to do that. And yes, there were characters in there that were from the films, but a lot of it was just building your own character and building the community around you and what they were doing. And so that was one of those things that I really appreciate is being able to fill in the blanks where there's another stuff up there. So we're going to head to our last break here. I'm going to talk about our favorite thing from this week. Stay tuned. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss. 
allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking around for this. So favorite thing this week for me is the, I'm going to say this begrudgingly, it is the book Aftermath Life Debt. I've been reading that after swearing I would not read the Aftermath trilogy after finishing the first one because I got excited. I bought it. I read it. It was painful because Chuck Wendig did everything in present tense and that was a jarring reading experience. But after discovering that Cobb Vanth was actually introduced as a character in that, I started thinking, well, maybe there's other things that I can find in there that are tied back to the series. And so that is what I am doing, is going through and reading and figuring out what other little nuggets that Disney has gone and hidden in here. I still hate the author's prose style. I still really don't want to read the third book, but only from this fact that it means I have to read more present tense. To be totally honest, the part that I'm enjoying is getting the kind of filler information, like how Kashyyyk was liberated, and the details that lead up to the Battle of Jakku, and what's going to happen in the Battle of Jakku is actually going to be coming in the third book, so I'm excited for that. But I still have to deal with Chuck Wendig's prose, which I hate. So yeah, that is it for this week's episode. If you want to go ahead and reach out, again, reach out to us via email at thedaddeloreanpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on our Instagram at thedaddeloreanpodcast. You can reach out to us on our website at thedaddelorean.net. Hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. And remember, parenting is a complicated profession. Take care out there. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. 
you make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. When you have a busy afternoon but also have an appetite for adventurous new recipes, try Blue Apron's Heat Neat Meals that offer quick and simple meals without sacrificing fresh and quality ingredients. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and wellness offerings. Get $130 off across your first six boxes. Plus, your first box ships free when you visit blueapron.com bluculinary. 